listening to the Life Edit Project podcast, where busy, ambitious high achievers get the tools they need to fight overwhelm and overthinking with balance, self-mastery, and a positive mindset. I'm your host, Elizabeth Burroughs. I'm serving up bite-sized truth bombs in a judgment-free zone based on my perspective as a life coach, wife, mom, and recovering overachiever. We keep it real over here, which usually means some combination of insightful, entertaining, and a hot mess express. So if you're looking for perfection, look elsewhere. But if you're still with me, let's dig into this week's episode. Good day, good people. Welcome back to episode 16 of the Life Edit Project podcast. Y'all, I cannot believe how quickly we are flying through this first season. Um, I, I don't think I've actually shared this, but my plan for season one is to bring you 20 unique episodes plus a recap episode. So a total of 21 episodes. Then I'll take a break before coming back for season two. So we're we're almost there and I don't know where the time has gone. Um, when we get to the recap episode, I will talk more about what to expect between seasons, but don't worry. The podcast is not going dormant. We're not going dark. You'll still be getting new content every week. I'm just going to take a break from our regularly scheduled programming and you'll have something a little different to listen to. But I'll talk more about that soon. So in the meantime, I do want to look forward to episode 20, which will be in a couple weeks. And that's going to be another Ask Me Anything episode like we did back in episode 10. So if you have a unique challenge, a burning question, or if you're curious what kind of perspective I can offer you as a professional life coach, drop me a line. Uh, Check out the show notes for the link to the question form and tell me how I can help. So there are no strings attached for the Ask Me Anything. You can choose to stay as anonymous as you like. So you don't have to worry about putting all your business on blast. Then I'll respond to as many questions as I can on episode 20. I had so much fun doing this last time, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what kinds of questions y'all have for me this time. So get your questions in by Sunday, October 1st to have them considered for the Ask Me Anything episode, okay? Uh, In other news, we're getting really close to 500 downloads, like really, really close. And last week, I decided that I was going to give away a free coaching session to one lucky listener when we reach that milestone. And then I'm going to release a recording of that coaching call as a special podcast episode. So if that sounds exciting to you, you can help us get there by listening to and sharing the show. So this is a great time to catch up on any episodes that you may have missed, share your favorite episode with a friend or post it on your stories on social media so that other people can listen. And of course, please give us a five five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, which is the best way to help us get in front of new listeners. So I've got step-by-step instructions on how to do that over on my website at lifeeditproject.com slash podcast. And as always, you can find that link in the show notes because I like to make life easy for you when I can. Okay, so that's all the housekeeping for today. Let's get down to the get down and continue our conversation about self-care.
If you've been rocking with me for the last several episodes, you know that we've been focusing on some of the different aspects of self-care that all of you, my fellow high achievers and recovering perfectionists, often neglect or ignore. Today, we're wrapping up our four-part mini-series called Self-Care Essentials, and it's going to be another banger, I already know. So grab your notebook and something to write with because I promise you I'm going to give you some things to think about and some things to marinate on. And more than anything, I want you to walk away with some practical tips that you can put to use in your life right away so that you can start reaping the benefits of a stronger and more holistic self-care practice. So we kicked off our self-care conversation with episode 12, where I shared the most common mistakes I see people make when it comes to self-care. Then in episodes 13, 14, and 15, the first three parts of our self-care essentials mini-series, we took a deep dive into boundaries, rest, and discipline as critical elements of self-care that often get overlooked or misinterpreted. So if you haven't already listened to those, do yourself a favor and add them to your playlist. They're really rich, juicy conversations, and you will for sure learn some tips on how to level up your self-care. And I've got more for you today. We're going to land the plane in this self-care essentials mini series by talking about support. So right off the bat, I want to acknowledge that this topic might sound counterintuitive, given the way I've defined self-care. Remember, self-care is any action or activity that you do or facilitate for yourself in service of your future well-being. But when we think of support, instead of thinking about doing something for ourselves, we tend to think of giving support to other people or we think of having something done for us. And neither of those sounds like self-care the way I've defined it. So I want to offer you a different perspective. I invite you to think of support as a type of infrastructure for your life. It's a type of structure that you can add to your life that makes it possible for you to function in a healthy, sustainable way. There are four main ways that you can support yourself to either maintain or improve your quality of life. And it fits into the handy dandy acronym STEP, S-T-E-P, which stands for Systems, Tools, Environment, and People. So let's go through these one by one, shall we? up is systems. What is a system? Simply put, a system is a set of principles or procedures that you use to get something done. If you're taking notes, write this down. The more you want to do in life, the more systems you need, especially when you need to do the same thing or similar types of things over and over again. Without systems, without principles and procedures that you follow, you will waste precious time and energy and effort doing things the hard way when there are easier ways available to you or starting from scratch when you could be using a template. Systems make it easy for you to do what you want to do without worrying about the how each and every time. 
One thing I love about systems is that you can create them wherever you need help getting things done. You can create systems to support your household, your career, your health, your finances, your friendships, your romantic relationships, your faith, or anything else you can think of. And systems do not have to be complicated. In fact, the best systems are the simplest ones because those are the systems you're most likely to use. And that's important because the value of a system lies fully and completely in its usefulness. You have to use a system for it to be useful. <laughs> so I use a lot of systems. I, I use a simple system to create these podcast episodes, for example. I have a system for tracking the progress that my coaching clients make when I work with them. And I even have a system for deciding what books I want to read. <laughs> but my favorite example of a system is the one that I use for grocery shopping. Story time. So a few years ago, one of the most annoying recurring disagreements that would happen between me and my husband was about groceries. Not the grocery budget, not getting them delivered, but the things that didn't get bought. <laughs> so I do most of the grocery shopping in our house and I generally have for our whole marriage, which also has meant that I've been the one deciding what to buy. And before I created my grocery system, I would do most of my shopping on Sundays, like on the way home from church, but I'd usually need to make another run at some point in the middle of the week. And so then I'd stop by the store on my way home from work. Sometimes I made a list, but usually I would just go up and down every single aisle and grab whatever I thought we needed. <laughs> now, this was not a good strategy. It wasn't good because I would frequently miss something really basic that we needed, like milk. And my husband would always complain that I hadn't gotten something that he needed because he didn't even know when I was going to the store. So he didn't have a chance to add anything to my shopping list. So that meant that he would have to make a separate trip to the store, which always aggravated him and hence the arguments, the disagreements. So then I started checking in with him when I was headed to the store, like I'd send him a text message and say, hey, I'm going to the store. Do you need anything? And then he'd complain that he needed more time to think about what he wanted. So that didn't work either. But you know what did finally work? Creating a super simple system. I hung up a dry erase board in the kitchen that's part calendar and part notes, and I designated the notes section as the running shopping list. I told my husband and eventually my daughter, if there's something you want or need from the store, put it on the list on this dry erase board because this will be the list that I shop from. Then I would say, I'm going to the store tomorrow, not five minutes before I leave the house, or, you know, two minutes when I'm on my way in the car, I'd say, I'm going to the store tomorrow. Be sure to update the list. If what you want isn't on the list, don't expect me to get it. And when it was time to do the shopping, I would place the order from that list or I'd snap a photo of that list and use it at the store to make sure I didn't miss anything. Now, it did take us a few weeks for us to all get into the habit of using this system, but after about a month, not only had it simplified the grocery shopping process for me, but it also eliminated all of the arguments that we were having about groceries. This one system for this one recurring household task ended up saving me time, 
energy and money and it improved my marriage because we were arguing less. And that's exactly what a good system can do for you. So get you some systems. (laughs) Okay, next up in our STEP acronym is T and T stands for tools. So a tool is something you use to carry out a specific function. Tools can be related to systems in that you might use certain tools as part of your system. So in the grocery shopping system I just told you about, the dry erase board was the tool that I chose. But I could have chosen a different tool to carry out that same system. For example, I could have chosen to keep a shopping list in a special notebook that lives in the drawer in the kitchen instead of on a dry erase board that hangs up on the wall. So tools are often used within systems, but tools don't have to be confined to systems. Tools are, above all, about functionality. And the more tools you have, the more likely you are to be able to function when life starts lifing and crap comes your way. So what kind of tools do you need? As with everything having to do with self-care, it's highly personal and it's going to be specific to you. But I recommend that everyone gets some tools to help them do the basic things that are part of the human experience. I would argue that we all need tools to cope with stress, relate to other people, perform personal hygiene, feed ourselves, express our emotions, and overcome challenges. Now, that's not an exhaustive list, but I think we all need tools to do all of those things. The more tools you have, the more options you have for how to get things done. It's like that saying goes, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If the only tool you have for connecting with people is physical intimacy, then you'll miss out on opportunities for meaningful platonic relationships. If the only tools you have for dealing with conflict is to either yell or go silent, you don't have the option to advocate for your needs at work in a way that your supervisor will respond to. If the only tool you have for dealing with stress is to drink, you lose the option to focus on solving for that stress with a sober mind. Tools give you options and options means more paths forward. And paths forward are a benefit to your future self. So getting tools is a great way to add and enhance your self-care practice. The E in our STEP acronym stands for environment. When it comes to self-care, it is very easy to overlook the impact that our environment has on us. And I'm not talking about the global environment. I'm talking about your personal surroundings in any place where you spend a significant amount of time. That includes your home, your workplace, social settings that you frequent, and even your car or whatever your most common mode of transportation is. Your environment impacts your ability to perform. And while this is true, even when you're not paying attention to your environment, The good news is that you can harness the potential for your environment to support you by being more intentional. Whether you need energy, calm, focus, inspiration, or something else, 
It is possible to curate an environment for yourself that supports you in thriving and operating at a higher level. A simple way to do this is to simply tune into your five senses. What are you seeing, smelling, hearing, touching, and tasting on a regular basis? And how do those things impact your mood, your energy, and your productivity? So I happen to be very sensitive to light. And I've noticed that lighting has a huge impact on my mood and my productivity. Sunlight is my favorite. I am convinced that if I had a past life, I was a sunflower for sure. So put me near a window if you want me to get anything done. (laughs) Um, But about a decade ago, uh, when I was working uh, on my job, I moved into a different office and this office had no window and very harsh overhead lighting. I hated it. (laughs) And honestly, I struggled for a few weeks. And then one day I actually took the time to rearrange the furniture in my office so that I could see the window that was in the adjacent room. So even though I didn't have a window in the room that I was working in, I set myself up to see the closest window to me. And then I turned off the overhead lights and I brought in some cheap lamps, a floor lamp and a desk lamp with soft light that I used instead. And that change in lighting and being able to see a window, it made a huge difference in my mood and it made a huge impact on my ability to focus in that new office. So when it comes to curating your environment so that it supports your ability to function, even small changes can go a long way. I want you to look for opportunities to mitigate the things that impact you negatively and to introduce or enhance the things that help you. And last up in our STEP acronym is P, which stands for people. It matters who you choose to associate with because humans are social creatures and we're driven by and deeply affected by our relationships. So I'm a big fan of leveraging relationships for self-care. You can build a network of relationships that supports you and your overall well-being. And it's simple to do, but not necessarily easy. So it'll take lots of intentional focus and effort because newsflash, good relationships require work to build and sustain. Now, a lot of people get really discouraged when they hear this because they assume that they don't have time for these kinds of relationships or it feels like having a good relationship is like being in a secret society and you only know the rules once you're in. But it is actually simple. And here's the key. Identify how your relationship with someone benefits you and then practice communicating and connecting with that person on purpose around that benefit. Simple. And bonus, do this in reverse to maintain balance within that relationship so that it's not one-sided. Identify how you benefit the other person and practice giving them that benefit on purpose. For example, I have this one friend that I can talk to about the most mundane things without worrying about whether or not I'm boring her. I can also talk to her about all the things that I would never say out loud to anyone else, knowing that she's not going to judge me and she's also not going to blab and repeat what I'm saying to anyone else. 
In fact, she will commiserate with me on whatever the topic is. And then once we hang up the phone, she will immediately forget everything I ever said. And it's as if the conversation never happened. So when I just need space to be a human, she is the perfect friend. And I hold the same space for her. It's great. But if I need a little pep talk, if I need a little affirming, I call my sister because no matter what kind of a mess I am, she's always proud of me and she always believes in me. And I always leave my conversations with her feeling like I got this, right? So now naturally, friends and family will play a key role in your support system. But I want to acknowledge how tricky family relationships can get. Not all family relationships are ones that we would actually choose if we weren't born into them or if we didn't marry into them. So I'm not telling you that your family relationships should work any kind of way. What I am saying is that the principle of building relationships still applies. See that relationship for what it is and act accordingly. Now, dysfunctional family relationships aside, I'm still a firm believer that relationships with friends and family aren't enough for support. Sometimes you need to be supported by a relationship that isn't weighed down by so much history or personal agendas or judgment. Sometimes you need support from someone with a different skill set than the ones that you find among your friends and family. Or you might need to get support from someone that doesn't make you feel like you're a burden. And that's when it can be helpful to add professionals to your network of relationships. Now, the kind of professionals you pull into your network will depend on your needs, but there are lots of options. You can pull in people to be an extra set of hands for you, like a housekeeper, a babysitter, or a virtual assistant. And those relationships help you increase your capacity to perform. But another way to use professional relationships is to enlist the support of technicians, people who are capable of performing a technical skill or service that you need but can't do or you can't do adequately for yourself. And you're already using these kinds of relationships every time you go to the dentist or to the doctor or take your car to a mechanic. But you can also enlist the support of advisors and mentors. People like financial advisors, a personal trainer, or even a life coach like me. And these relationships with advisors can help you make and follow plans that help you reach your goals. They'll help you create other kinds of support for yourself, like systems and tools. Relationships with advisors and mentors can give you the space you need to figure things out, experiment, and ultimately evolve as a person. And this is important because many of our existing family and friend relationships are not safe places to tinker with your personal identity. Like when your aunt refuses to see you as an adult, no matter how old you get, because she used to change your diapers. Or that old friend from high school that tells you it doesn't matter how many degrees you get, they'll always think of you as the person they used to skip school with. So building professional relationships, building relationships with professionals rather, is sometimes the best way to support yourself when it comes to people. 
So to review, there are four main ways that you'll want to support yourself as part of your self-care practice. Systems, tools, environment, and people. Just step your way to a better future. As always, I would love to be a part of your support system. That's exactly why I created this podcast, to make sure that people like you have access to these kinds of concepts and tools so that you can take action to better support yourself. But if you're ready for a higher level of support, the best way that I can provide that is through a formal coaching relationship. I want you to imagine what it would feel like to have dedicated, private, professional support every week over the course of several months. There's a link in the show notes that you can use to book a free consultation call with me so that we can talk about exactly how my coaching services can help you. And the best part is I'm ready to get started whenever you are. Okay, so that's all for today. I'll be back in your ears next week with another episode. And this time I've got a special guest that will be joining me. So make sure you subscribe to the show so that you don't miss out. In the meantime, take at least one step today to support yourself. All right, peace. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Life Edit Project podcast. I'd love to hear what your favorite moment or key takeaway was from this conversation. You can send me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to let me know. My handle is at Life Edit Project, all one word, in all the places. My social media is linked up in the show notes to make it easy for you. Holla at your girl. I'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, don't just stay busy with the life you have. Get busy creating the life you want.